Now we're really here at the second part of the program, uh, having uh, talked about the depopulation plan. Uh, and the world would really look hopeless were it not for uh, some positive developments which are taking place at a global scale. And uh, could you bring us into that? What have you found as a scientist uh, that is countering uh, this bombardment of Fukushima radiation uh, by using the HARP system and all of the other depopulation? Uh, what program is countering this attempted the depopulation of the planet by the Jesuit matrix Illuminati system. Well, let's go back to the polar vortex that we've already talked about. And um, that was the storm, a nuclear typhoon that was created uh, offshore from Fukushima. And while I was watching them move that typhoon into place next to Fukushima, so that it could load up with the um, that horrible radiation, and I mean load up. Um, I was looking at the South China Sea, which is between Japan and the coastline of China, and then Russia is a little bit more to the north, Kamchatka and that that region. And I noticed a high pressure zone all along the coast, the China coast and the Russian coast that was um, preventing, it was a barrier preventing uh, the Fukushima radiation plume from going across China and Russia. And Russia, of course, because they've done so many bomb tests and, and they helped co-develop HARP. Well, I think we helped co-develop HARP during the Cold War, secretly with the, the Soviet Union, and they did it at Livermore Nuclear Weapons Lab, where I worked. Of course, I never heard about it. Nobody did, except the insiders. But um, it took me five years to find the facility where HARP was developed, and I finally discovered it was at Livermore. And <clears throat> so I was really shocked and I've been wondering if any countries are preventing the Fukushima radiation from entering their territory. And sure enough, there it was with this nuclear uh, typhoon that that barrier was along the coastlines. And what it is, is um, they use a harp beam to heat up the air wherever they want a high-pressure zone and then anything cooler, it's all fluid dynamics, anything cooler, colder air plumes or whatever, they um, they flow away from it or around it, but they don't cross that high-pressure zone. And uh, so I've been seeing a lot of that by Russia and some by China. They're not letting the Fukushima radiation damage their populations. And... Um, so that was that really impressed me, and I said, "So Putin is not going to allow his Russian people to be exposed." And um, that was very, very exciting, and and I knew it was uh, really happening because I could see it with my own eyes, and I haven't seen any other world leaders doing it. Uh, the U.S. military and government is pumping as much radiation at the highest levels across America as they can. Um, so that was one thing. Then I also read um, in the papers or in, in the media, uh, it was reported that Putin was discontinuing or abolishing GMO in Russia. And that he would be phasing it out and he said, well, we can do that this way or that way or whatever and we're not violating any international treaties. And so you say everything he does because he has a degree in international law and diplomacy 
everything is carefully thought out and he um, uh, never violates international laws or laws. He's very, very, very strictly by the law and the Constitution. So I said, well, that's a really good sign. No GMO. Now, the next thing that happened is in the middle of November 2014, just a couple of weeks ago, um, Putin had the NGOs investigated, the non-governmental organizations or the activist organizations, and they're the same people and they're funded by the same people, the New World Order, and they're supposed to be activists who are addressing environmental or human rights issues, but they're actually funded by the New World Order, and they're acting in the countries where they're registered against the interests of the government and the citizens in those countries. In other words, they're there with a mask or a disguise saying that they're there to help the people, but in fact they're there to hurt the people uh, for the New World Order. So Putin investigated them, and this is the second time that he's done that. And this is in particular with relationship to the Ukraine uh, eastern re- zone region where the war and the battles are being carried out now. And um, the the all these activist organizations, NGOs, are infiltrated with, a lot of them have Israelis or dual citizen Israeli Americans at the top. The uh, Occupy movement was uh, infiltrated. All of the flotilla, flotillas for Palestine were all operated by uh, Israel, Israeli, and U.S. Ashkenaz Jews who changed their names to Palestinian names. And this was discovered on the morning that a flotilla was leaving from Limassol in Cyprus and Peter Eyre, who is a, a British gentleman who was in he did was in intelligence in the in the British Navy, and then he went on and did uh, oil and gas consulting in the Middle East and Southeast Asia, and uh, he and I worked together for a couple of years. He's great, and um, he investigated all of those leaders in the flotilla movement, and he said they're all Ashkenaz Jews or dual citizens, uh, U.S. and Israeli, almost all of them. And they were hitting on him and sabotaging him and undermining him, and at the last minute they wouldn't let him on the ship. And he paid his own way from England to Cyprus, thinking he would be going on the flotilla. They'd invited him to go, and they slammed the door in his face. So... He was really dejected, and he called me up. He was super excited all of a sudden. He said, I went to the desk in the hotel lobby, and most of the passengers had gone on to the boat. And he said, I noticed a passenger list taped to the desk in the hotel lobby where everybody had been staying. And... um He said, so I put my arm over it and peeled it off and rolled it up and put it in my pocket. And he called me up and he sent me the whole list. And my God, there were their real names, Israeli names and Israeli passports. And even the Americans who had been posing as Palestinians had Jewish names. And so... The um, So that is what Putin has been investigating because it's like having an Occupy sabotage or a colored revolution in your country. They collect all the money for the issue and the people who are suffering, the victims, never see one penny. Right, right. Now, um, now the biggest thing that Putin has done is um, it's the BRICS banking system. And BRICS stands for Brazil, Russia, 
India, China, and uh, what's the S? South uh, Africa. Oh, South Africa, right. And then there are other smaller countries who are members too, and Argentina will be when uh, Christina Fernandez uh, Kirchner uh, resolves her um, her bank issue with the American banks or bank, who she's refused to repay. And uh, her husband died for his stand and his position of refusing to pay it. They gave him a heart attack and killed him. And uh, so she's carried on. And um, I, I, uh, I'm, I feel confident that she will bring Argentina into BRICS. But uh, BRICS is a new central bank not connected to the banking system of the Rothschilds. And um, they are putting their own money. Each country is putting a deposit in to get it started. But what Putin has done is very, very clever, and it's only coming out now in the media. He and China uh, are using the U.S. dollar, the petrodollar, only as an intermediate exchange medium for goods and services and gold and, and energy. And so what China and Russia are doing now is um, the U.S. and the West have artificially inflated the value of the dollar because it's the, uh, the, the oil dollar, and they have artificially depressed the value of gold. And so what Putin is doing is he'll take dollars from the U.S. or other countries, but he immediately, which is inflated, he immediately converts it to gold. And um, and so does China if they get energy from um, from the from uh, Russia. They pay in U.S. dollars, and because they have a huge pile of U.S. dollars now that are worthless. And Putin converts it immediately into gold. And uh, the gold, of course, is very cheap. And the dollars are very cheap also. So um, Russia now has 55 tons of gold bullion in physically in Russia. And China also has a lot. And, um, and so what they're doing is undermining the U.S. dollar and they're pumping all of their economy and reaping huge profits because they're buying the gold low and uh, selling it high or trading it for uh, whatever they import or whatever they want to spend it on. And it's, it's squeezing the Western economy into the dark hole of Calcutta where it's free-falling down into the bottom of the black hole of Calcutta, the economic black hole, and there's absolutely nothing the West can do. Now, what happens when the West runs out of gold? They have nothing to pay with. Well, now, let, yeah, now let me ask you this, which is a conundrum that has been floating around in, in many circles that are, uh, that are open to this type of analysis. For example, uh, with Kevin Annette last week, we reported that uh, the Jesuit Pope, Bergoglio, took a plane, Alitalia, flew for four hours to Strasbourg last week, which is the capital of the EU Parliament, and met with Russian diplomats there, presumably... Uh, around matters of the Deutsche Bank, which is they're using as a channel to uh, shift Vatican funds because they're becoming now a principal funder of the BRICS Bank. Now, the and the Vatican being sort of the poisoned well, that that, that is, they are now in control of the Jesuits who are... Uh, uh, deeply compromised in the depopulation program. And yet, for some reason, Putin has gone beyond photo opportunities with Pope Bergoglio and gone in and made 
Bergoglio and the Vatican a partner in the BRICS Bank. This sort of goes beyond the Hitler-Stalin pact, in a way. And and uh, so, could you speak with that? I mean, these are real issues. It's really hilarious, because uh, one of Putin's really, really strong points, and something he uses in international relations and diplomacy very, very effectively, is his advanced knowledge and certification in martial arts. And all he's doing is Sun Tzu on everybody, and he can beat the Jesuits too. Well, could, could you elaborate? Walk us through that Aikido. I'm, I'm, I'm Aikido, and, and Putin is more uh, jiu-jitsu, I think. So could you walk us through that move? Well, um, what he's doing is, in, in the martial arts, what you do is you observe your opponent, and you measure your opponent. And you measure his weaknesses and his strengths. And you wait until you see an opening. And you move on your opponent. And you're successful or you're not successful. But it takes thinking, strategizing. You have to be honest and correct about what you're thinking and seeing in the opponent, or you can't possibly win. And it's a discipline. It's a religion. It's spiritual, too. And if you sit there long enough, they'll make a mistake. And that's what he's a master at. Well, And so- he's, he's also both Eastern and Western. He's both Asian and European. I mean, look at him. I call him a blonde Chinaman, but he's actually an indigenous person uh, with uh, the blonde Western hair and 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 things. And I suspect, I think, he's a uh, part. He may be part Laplander, or maybe part early Scandinavian tribes. He's part something. So, so you're saying that Putin invited the Jesuit Pope into BRICS as a as part of a rope-a-dope strategy? Well, they're all crooks at the top, almost all of them, and nobody's more criminal than the Vatican and the Jesuits. Right. And um, it's just like us dealing with corporations. Um, well, we might not like what a corporation does, or we may not know what it does, or whatever, but we still buy goods with them and deal with them because it's just a lot more convenient and there may not be other sources. And so he's a grown-up man. He realizes these people are on the table. These are the cards in the deck that have been laid out and dealt. Uh, or you could say these are the chessmen on the um, the chessboard. And so... Uh, he really has a lot of fun and self-confidence and inner strength because he takes all of them, engages with them, and then he slowly uses his Aikido to turn their energy, which they're turning towards him, they're turning it on to him, he turns it to his advantage. So he uses his energy and their energy to get where he wants to get. So he he's turned the bricks into the bricks V for Vatican. Uh no, he's not at all. Um, we will have to wait and see how he plays this. He plays on all kinds of level levels. Uh, don't ever play chess with a Russian. In three moves, you will be in jail or in prison, or you will have no men on the board. Um. So, and, so what, what I'm saying is, you don't feel at all uneasy about this. You feel well, good. Now, look what he did with Berlusconi. Yeah, Berlusconi. Um, he and Berlusconi are really, really good friends, and Berlusconi's just a mafia racketeer. 
Well, um, I mean, the ruling elites stay in power on two legs. They stand on two legs, organized crime in the military. So it's just realistic that in the position he's in on the, the main stage, he's the, he's the czar of the whole world now. You mean he who is, is? Putin. Of the whole world or of Russia? The whole world. Or of the underdeveloped world? All of the world. He's a czar of the whole world? How? Well, because he's, um, because he's standing there doing nothing and the new world order is using him in this conflict in the Ukraine and the, all of the sanctions and everything to, uh, shut down the Western economy. He's not getting hurt. Right, right. So it's hurting, he, it's he it's he bankrupting, is, he, he, wait, wait, yeah, sorry. It's bankrupting NATO, it's bankrupting the U.S., it's bankrupting the EU, and it destroyed Angela Merkel's career. Right, so that you can look at Putin as the law. That is, you don't break the law, you break yourselves against the law. And well, by standing up for what's right, let, let me finish this thought, by standing up for what's right, and the Western powers trying to do a depopulation plan and false flags and Putin not permitting it, then the Western powers are just breaking themselves against the law. Is that basically the equation that's happening? Oh, well, they're falling on their own petard. In other words, they're falling on their own swords and they destroy themselves because no one can destroy you. Only you can destroy yourself. Right. So, Fraud always happens from within. And so we have traitors all over the United States now. It's an infestation of marmots who are infected with all kinds of insects and diseases, and they're spreading that infection all over America. Um, The U.S., no government, no country is strong enough to withstand that if it's over a prolonged period. And look at all the technologies. Look at the advanced weapons they have now. They're, they have made the battlefield from the very tiniest molecule in your body all the way to the most horrendous nuclear and electromagnetic weapons. When you say they, everything, who, who... Everything on this planet and in this universe is weaponized now. By, by the U.S., you're saying? It's by the Jesuits. Oh, by, by, by the Jesuits. And those who support them and are agents for them, those are the, uh, Zionists who are fascists. And then they are protected. The Jesuits and the, the Zionists are protected by the, um, uh, Masons, Freemasons. Right. right. And so it's a triumvirate. It's a collaboration and cooperation that was set up long, long time ago, yeah. thousands of years ago. With the and monarchies. It, yeah. And so it just keeps rolling forward and they just change the names and they bring, uh, Fidel Castro out on the stage for the Farnese's and, and then, uh, they brought Alessio Farnese out, uh, to be Pope when he was 17. Um, in Italy, uh, that was at the beginning of the Renaissance. And so you see, it's all very planned, very, very, very well planned. And all of the federal buildings, the Pentagon, uh, the Washington's Monument, all of that federal part of the downtown Washington, D.C. is all owned and run by the Farnese family, who are at the, that's the Iranians at the top of the Jesuits. Right. And, um, you can see, and if you go into Congress, the Congress building, you can see fascists. Fascists are bundles of sticks or spears that are bound together with, usually with a hatchet, a war hatchet coming out of the top. And those are, um, on the the diadem of the uh the, the where the speaker of the house gets up at the podium and those are on the the po- the uh columns right behind him 
There on statues of, of George Washington. There are paintings with those fasces painted in. Those are from the ancient Central Asian equestrian warriors. That's a tradition that goes back to where the, uh, the, the Farnese's and the Jesuits came from. Right. Well, let, let's go back to Putin's plan. Yes. Because I think that we've been using template in a, in kind of a negative sense. And I'd like to flip this over because it seems to me that Putin's plan is a template for life. His, it's not a template. It's never been done before. I see. That's why it's so powerful. Um, you see these trained, uh, Zionists and, and Freemasons and everything, these rocker and rollers who keep this whole agenda going for the top level of the Jesuits, um, they can only deal with scripted, uh, plays that they're in. Uh, like I say, global nuclear kabuki theater. So they have a role to play in a costume and they know what to do. They're told what to do. But when you go off script on them, you have to be very original. You have to be extremely intelligent and you have to have a very high level of spiritual connection to reality. And, um, and so that is exactly what Putin is. So he's come in with the new passion play that nobody's ever seen before. And it's not on their stage. So they don't even know where the chairs are to watch it. And you should see the photograph, which I think I sent you, uh, at the G20 meeting in Australia. And there was all this huff and puff and media stuff about Putin left early. He, he ran away from the meeting with his tail between his legs. They wiped him out, blah, blah, blah. No, he wiped them out. And in this picture, you can see Tony Abbott, who's a total, total Jesuit-trained fascist. He would kill anyone for a pair of shoes, and I mean seriously. And he's sitting with... um David Cameron, the Prime Minister of England, and Tony Abbott was the host of the G20 in Australia because he's the Prime Minister. And then Obama is sitting with them, and they are sitting there listening to Putin's speech at the G20. And Abbott looks more serious than I've ever seen him look. He was very, 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 very intently listening to that, and he was sort of shocked. It wasn't what he was expecting to hear. And David Cameron's on the other side of him, and he's doing this. When an Eng Englishman is befuddled, uh, that's pretty good, especially when he's the <laughs> prime minister. And And there's Obama, and he's turned... And looking at the camera with the most frightened look in his face that I've ever seen. And all of them are terrified of Putin. And if you can't respect me, Alfred, then you better be afraid of me. Because that's all I have to offer. And that's what I saw on their faces. Right. And Everyone, the leaders all over the world know this is all baloney and, and, and garbage. They know it's wrong, but they're locked into it. And Putin has come in like a breath of fresh air. Well, he's removing their shackles too. And right. they respect him. They know what he's doing. They respect him. Okay. But they don't find out what he's doing until he is ready to release it. Okay, good. Now, so here we have Putin, and he's using this um, uh, plan, which is to put up a high-pressure radiation fence to keep out the HARP nuclear kill zone, right? Which, which the rest of the world, mainly the northern hemisphere, but it's getting down to the to the to the south southern hemisphere as well as well, is being killed off by this high-level plan in which all the Western powers are cooperating and all the governments of the Western powers are cooperating and all the media of the Western powers are cooperating. Secondly, he's abolished 
GMOs, chemtrails, all of those things. I mean, there is no chemtrailing over Russia. Is that correct or not? I don't know. Okay. Okay. I don't well, know. Well, well, we'll have to check that one out. Uh, uh, he's cleaned out uh, NGOs and the template of the 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 aliens, the the gang stalkers. You yes. know that that deconstruction of robotics that comes in to deconstruct a civil society. That's right. Right, which which as we speak is seeking to implode the United States. And I want to tell you something. The Russians are very, very practical and they're very good scientists. And they are superior to the U.S. What the U.S. does is they'll get all these plans for different airplanes or, or weapon systems or whatever, yeah. and they'll manufacture every one of them. They will make, uh, uh, they will manufacture and, and sell all of them, uh, which is a huge expenditure. What the Russians do is they take all the ideas and they sit down and they, um, modify, uh, one design and they make it better than what was offered, and that's what they manufacture. They're very, very practical. Right. And um, the problem with the U.S. approach is, for instance, they'll give the soldiers in the field computers with these extremely complicated computer programs, and um, and it's very easy for the enemy to, uh, to screw that up. Uh, with the Russians, they do very simple systems that do the job and they function correctly. Right. And they're hard to defeat or sabotage. Right. So they have a very practical approach. And, you know, do you know how many peoples and nations and cultures and subcultures and history there is in the greater Russia? It's like a third of the, the continental uh, world or something. It's huge. And it has many different kinds of people. So they have a huge database of different ways to do things. And it's deep time also. The U.S. is only like 270 years old, something like that. It's not even 300 years old. Well, Russia goes back 40, 50, 80,000 years. Well, now... Um uh, in that in that light, uh, we have uh, Russia. It's the largest landmass in in the world. It's got eleven time zones. <coughs> it's now being protected against this nuclear de nuclear de de repopulation. Practically speaking, how can the rest of us humans? be protected by their beneficence against the madness of these other governments that are out to exterminate us. How can we get underneath the Russian umbrella? You have to move to Russia, and it's certainly something very to consider very seriously with your children. Now, what happened to Riza... Gorbachev and her husband, who was the, the president of Russia, is that they were born during the Stalinist purges, and it destroyed a lot of people. It was terror, worse than any terror that had happened probably on this earth. And um, I met Russian scientists during that period, and they were just really traumatized. You could see it in their eyes, in their body posture, and their spirits had been broken, but they were still trying and um and so um so what happened is uh Gorbachev grew up uh at a on a a um uh what are they called the the uh, big farms they had where everybody had to work collective. the collective yeah so he grew up on a collective um near Sochi on on the Black Sea and there was a hot spring there and a spa, 
and the big mucky muck Soviet leaders would come down on a train and they would uh, vacation there. And Gorbachev was the head of the um, the local uh, uh, party, political party, and so he had the job of meeting them at the train, driving them to the spa, and then sitting there and entertaining them, maybe playing backgammon or chess or something all night long. So he got to know all the top people in the Kremlin. And when he went to university in 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 uh, St. Petersburg or Moscow, he was fresh. He was undamaged. He was spiritually clean. And... Um, and so he really, really excelled because he hadn't been beaten down in all those purges. Uh, Riza Gorbachev's father knew what was coming. So he took his children, put them on the train. He was a professional engineer or something. He gave up his career and he went way out on the Siberian Railroad into nowhere. And he was the manager of one of the um, the, the train station stops and he raised his children out there and so when Riza came to St. Petersburg or Moscow she was also fresh and undamaged and so it was probably a CIA marriage by Russian (laughs) intelligence Intelligence. (laughs) yeah but they got put together and they were very very strong and very very powerful because they had not been traumatized and terrorized through all those purges so what's happening is putin is creating a peaceful tranquil uh stable country he's gone back to the imperial period of russia when russia was at the very top of countries around the world. It, they were at their peak. It was a magnificent country. Um, and he's going back to that period. It fell apart because of corruption. Actually, the czar who supported Lincoln in the Civil War and sent warships to New York and uh, uh, San Francisco to prevent the British from coming in and destroying uh, our country for the Jesuits. Um, he, 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 Lincoln, uh, couldn't get anyone in any country to help him. But the czar said when his letter came to the, uh, St. Petersburg court, he said before it was opened, he said, who's that from? And they said, oh, well, it's from President Lincoln. And he was in love with the hope of what America was offering, freedom and freedom of religion and and um, self-determination and everything. And he wanted to do that for Russia, but the corruption was so deep, he was not able to overcome that. But he did help us have another 150 years of peace and freedom. Uh, he gave that to Americans. Most Americans have no idea. And so we really do owe Russia an awful lot and not just a big thank you. We should be returning the support and assistance and the validation and, and, and everything that, uh, Russia has given America because they gave us our freedom. They protected it. And it's not fair to make wild allegations and say things that aren't true and demonize him when he's helping the very people who are demonizing him. That's how far this has gone. It's how stupid it is, and it's how lethal and pathogenic it is. Well, we have a situation now where through using geoengineering, uh, they are... uh, Geoengineering is just a tool uh, for depopulation using uh, ionizing ionizing radiation, as we just said, with, with together with the with the chemtrails, with all the toxic metals in, in them, together with the food, uh, the GMOs, uh, all of the other uh, uh, toxic elements. 
uh, the vaccines. Uh, there's some vaccines that now attack the DNA. Uh, that's what those NATO papers were about. Yeah. Yeah, Sure. So we in the, in the non-Russian population, which I think that Russia was depopulated. Uh, you, you, you had, they have a tremendous history. Actually, the Tsar was brought down, as you know, by the Rothschilds and by Skull and Bones, by Avril Harriman of Skull and Bones, so that there was a tremendous genocide by the Bolsheviks. That was, and and uh, that's part of the history that I wanted to mention. Since yeah. Imperial Russia was taken down. It was it was by Brooklyn basement Ashkenaz Jews who worked for the Rothschilds, and they went over there and changed their names to Russian names and overthrew the Tsar. And since then, everything has been a mess. I I I was in the Soviet Union uh, when it was still Soviet, and it really. Um, it really was disappointing. Um, I mean, it wasn't a system I was used to. Uh, but I don't want to badmouth a country or, or a culture or anything. The people of Russia didn't ask for that. It was imposed on them by the Jesuits and the, um, the Zionists who work for the, the Jesuits. Now, following the Bolshevik Revolution were um, 20 or 30 years of genocide of ethnic Russian Orthodox Christians. Over 70 million were killed between the Bolshevik Revolution and World War II. That's a huge genocide. On top of that, in the at the end of the 1920s, uh, Stalin wanted to take back the land in the Ukraine. Oh, it's vast, lush, rich river bottom floodplain that is, that is so great for growing grain and everything. And, um, the Ukraine is just the breadbasket of Europe and Russia. And, um, it's, it's absolutely beautiful, but those peasants, would not join the Russian Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution, unless they were given land. They had been serfs for centuries, slaves. And so um, they were given land, and Stalin came back in the 40s, and uh, no, the 20s, and wanted the land back, because he wanted to build communes all over the Soviet Union. And the peasants in the Ukraine refused to give back their land. They said, no, we fought in the revolution and this was given to us and we want to pass it on to our children. And so what Stalin did was he starved them to death. Five million Ukrainians, Russians, died in the Holodomor starvation period, famine that was uh, engineered, it was uh, in the winter of 1932-33, I believe. And that was a template because the same exact famine was carried out in America, and most people don't know, 7 million American farmers and their families starved to death in the U.S. It was done the same way. And Harold Ikes, who was Secretary of the Interior, was tasked with feeding all these farmers. The banks had foreclosed on them. They were rich farmers. They owned their land. And um, they foreclosed on them and just threw them all out into the streets. They were wandering all over the U.S. They couldn't get food anywhere. And Harold Ikes passed a law that no food could be distributed or eaten unless it had been paid for. And he slaughtered and burned three and a half million pigs so those farmers couldn't eat them. He had food taken out and thrown overboard off of ships in the ocean. 
He burned food. Um, and he was the one who rounded up all the Japanese and put them in concentration camps in five hours uh, in World War II. And that was a land grab. The Japanese owned very rich land all over California and other places where they lived. They're great farmers. They grew flowers. And um, a bunch of bankers or something wanted the land. So Harold Ikes rounded them up and put them in prison. And they never got their land back. They lost their samurai swords that had been passed down in the family for generations. They lost everything. And they were American citizens. There was no trial. There was no investigation. There was no research. There was no, uh, nothing done that they, their constitutional rights were violated. Absolutely. So, uh, that happened in Russia. And then in 1986, Chernobyl happened. And that was a false flag to weaken, uh, Russia so that the uh, economy would collapse and end the Cold War. And Admiral Bhagwat, the top Indian admiral in India, the father of the Indian submarine, told me that. He said, I've been all over Russia. I've investigated lots of nuclear power plants. He said, Loren, there's no way Chernobyl could have happened without carefully removing 12 safety measures in order one after another in the right order in order for that to happen. And I know we had people from the Lawrence Berkeley Lab, I'm sorry, the Lawrence Livermore Nuclear Weapons Lab, all over Chernobyl. So we had to be involved in that too. And then in 1992, you see now the Russians have had a whole century of being genocided by the Americans and by the Western Economic Union. And now they know, especially after the 1992 collapse of the Soviet Union, which was because of Chernobyl, we also infected 70% of the computers in Russia with viruses. We were blowing up pipelines and, and infrastructure all over Russia. Nobody even knows this. And um, and we destroyed the Soviet Union. So now they're wise to that. They're hip to that. And Putin knows what the scorecard is. He knows the players on it. And he has been prepared in an intelligence agency, in law school, uh, international law, in uh, dealing with... Uh, uh, the changes of politics, and he was in uh, East Berlin and in uh, Germany as a KGB person. He was also involved with Cuba because I saw a picture of him a couple weeks ago with Castro, and he was renting the old Russian base from Castro to uh, revive, rebuild it. So Putin's very, very experienced. Uh, he's not afraid of anyone or anything. He's also actually a very kind and a very generous man. I can see that in him. He's not exactly a simple man, but he's not interested in uh, grandiosity and uh, big watches and fancy suits and stuff like that. He's focused on the Russian people, on rebuilding Russia, to the Imperial Russian uh, um, state of affairs even better, and he's protecting them from the disaster that's happening to people in countries all over the world. And quite frankly, what attracted to me to begin studying him was he said about the New World Order, it will never work. It will never work. Lots of people are going to be hurt, but it will never work. Right. Now, what do you think his his intentions are towards stopping this worldwide depopulation? He stopped it with regard to Russia, but no man is an island. I mean, Russia is just part of a larger ecology. If the, if the larger ecology of the planet is being decimated, 
down to you know all of the fish species. I mean, you we we know what the what the what the oceans look look like. Extermination. Yeah, it's, a, it's an extinction. Yeah. And so so what what do you think his plans are at a global level from a positive point of view? Is he just buying time, or or no. is that, does does he have a planetary plan? Uh, Putin has a collection of jars of spiders. And there's one jar of spiders in the Ukraine. He has to clean them out. There's There was a jar of spiders in Chechnya. And so he had to completely destroy that country to get rid of the spiders, the marmots of, were carrying disease and infection that were sucking everything out of the country. And when he had eliminated them from Chechnya and it was pretty much destroyed, he put $1 trillion into rebuilding Chechnya. And many of the educated people were fighting against him because they didn't understand what he was doing. Um, and uh, so they, they left Chechnya when uh, when the Russians left. And they've all gone back and they're talking about how wonderful it is in Chechnya now. They love him. Right. And so that's what uh, Putin's going to do. He's going to help people in different countries to um, to clean out their jar of spiders. Now, to use that analogy, uh, especially with people who have arachnophobia... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I can tell you that the United States is overrun with spiders. There's lots of spiders. Um, but as soon as there, there's nothing for them to feed on, they leave. They run so fast. So, uh, when they've consumed America, we'll just start again. I see. And, um, the, 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 uh, the radiation, however, is a real game changer because I got a map of European IQ by country. Uh-huh. And you can see in the countries that have been devastated and were very contaminated by Chernobyl how much the IQ has dropped. And it happens to follow the, um, the, the borders of countries that were war zones. So it has to be the radiation, but I knew that was going to happen anyway. And um, for instance, in uh, Serbia, the former Yugoslavia, um, Kosovo, uh, those countries, the uh, IQ has dropped 10, 10 points compared to other European countries. And some of the numbers I don't believe. Some of the m- numbers I think they fudged them, but. That map gives you a pretty good idea of what these nuclear wars are doing to the IQ of countries where the nuclear wars are occurring and also countries that are downwind. Well, now, when, you say nu- when you say nuclear wars, you mean the, the countries that are being targeted by these uh, HARP uh, nuclear tornadoes and nu- uh, nuclear no, typhoons? I mean they, have, they have a nuclear power industry. Oh, I see. France has the biggest one. Uh, they have um, nuclear waste sites or storage facilities. Maybe they're taking nuclear waste. Uh, their mafia is from other countries because they get paid a lot. And then they just bury it uh, very sloppily or they, they steal ships and fill them up with nuclear waste and then they sink them out in the Mediterranean or down by Somalia. Yeah. And um, so those things are happening and... All those nuclear waste exposures, eating food that's contaminated with nuclear waste, eating seafood. Nobody should be eating any fish at all out of fresh water or salt water. It's a death sentence. Seaweed and uh, filter feeders like oysters, clams, mussels, abalone, those bioconcentrate the radiation from the water into their bodies at 150,000 to 300,000 times higher than the contamination level in the water that they are filtering. Mm-hmm. It collects, they're like a radiation filter. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And, um, and so there are all kinds of, uh, um, where are they growing tea? Uh, the tea in, in Turkey is all along the, the coast, the northern coast, uh, the northeastern, the north, northeastern coast, uh, all along the Black Sea. The conditions and the climate are just perfect for growing, growing tea. And tea is in the, uh, camellia family. And, um, when, after Chernobyl happened, the Russians used harp because they had harp before we did. Um, they used it to divert the plumes from Chernobyl in a propeller pattern into other regions and away from the big cities of Russia. And so some of it ended up along that Turkish tea growing coast. So you don't want to drink Turkish tea. Oh. It's contaminated with Fukushima radiation. And, um. You mean Chernobyl radiation? I mean Chernobyl, yeah, Chernobyl. Well, now it's contaminated. And <laughs> no, now with it's for, for Fukushima radiation. Also, you, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just seeing here that we, we have about a little less than five minutes left in this, in this segment. And I'm just wondering, uh, if there are any major points or if you want to really get a major point across to our viewers because this program, which is the longest that we've ever done in a single program, it's really extensive. It's the depopulation program and then showing what Putin is doing to at least save his people, Russia. And there's a prophecy that at this time, Russia will be the hope of the world. So I turn it over to you. Well, I think that we... uh need to follow Vladimir Putin and to support him in whatever way we can because he's not just helping the Russian people he's helping humanity survive this and he can do that he has a lot of power he has self-control he has resources if anybody can do it he can and he has the will and the commitment to it and another thing that tipped me off about him is he had these oligarchs and people around him in the first 10 years of his um, of his uh, time in office as president. And what he's doing now is weeding out those people who will not fit into the program that he has planned for the future. And so the oligarchs, the... Um, the um the butt kissers uh the, the you know who who kiss up to him the people who don't have a lot of integrity and resources and the things he needs to carry out his plan are being uh purged now and uh the one the thing that tipped it, tipped me off was that there was in the news about a year or two ago that his minister of transportation whose name is Shoigu, General Shoigu, was uh, moved to the office of Secretary of Defense, Minister of Defense. And so he now, guess what he is? He's an ethnic Mongolian who was born in a yurt and lived as a nomad as a child. In the very oil and gas fields, that Putin is trying to preserve. And Putin is also indigenous. I can tell by his body shape and his body type and what he says. And so these two men are going to make this happen the right way for the right people. And we have to support them. We have to trust them. And we have to do whatever we can to expand his influence, to share his wisdom, and we can do that. Well, thank you. You know, this is, uh, I think that this is one of the more hopeful endings of our programs that dealt with the Fukushima issues, and so I I really want to thank you for that, and I want to thank you, uh, Thank you, Loren, for taking this this time out to to be to be with us, and I'm looking forward uh, to your joining us again 
in the future as all of these events develop, especially uh, the different aspects of Putin's plan. So thank you very much. Thank you, Alfred.